Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ninety percent chance of squirting grease this afternoon. Imagine Fiona Bruce saying that. Sweet Danny Whittaker, He's he so has bald. not got any hair. So, so bold, so bold. <laughs> oh, that was lovely to listen to. That's going to take some editing. And why are you saying about Danny Whittaker? Well, tell me, Tom, why were you singing about Danny Whittaker? Have you had a recent interaction with the man? Oh, Gaz. The legend. I, I, I have not had an interaction with our, our bald prince, but we were all up in Macclesfield for your birthday last weekend. Yes. Where we watched Macclesfield win the North West Counties League Premier. Yeah, you don't want to insult any other North West Counties leagues, you see, so I have to clarify. It was a good old day, it was a good game. Two teams going for it and all that, and then some wild celebrations at full time. Very enjoyable. Yeah, it was an absolute delight. 4-2 against none other than AFC Liverpool. Not to be confused with Liverpool FC, despite the fact it is apparently their supporters club or was once upon a time. Yeah, they were there. They turned up. They did a good job, to be fair. They scored a couple of decent goals. Yeah. Was it the fitness levels, as we sort of commented on at the time? You know, Mac were head and shoulders above, weren't they? And ultimately yeah. that told. And I suppose when you're already 15 points clear and it's the final day of the season, it's just about having a goal fest at the end. And thankfully, that's what we got for the travelling fans from Bristol, Western Supermare, and there I say, probably even further. When you've got... Guyana International Neil Dans. Oh, what a guy. Let's pour one out for all the players that are leaving Macclesfield, such as Curtis Obeng. 
Ikao Coca, and of course, Rocco Frengapain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a good day, though, wasn't it? And we uh, got to enjoy some pub sports afterwards. <laughs> which Andy Baxter does not take um, coaching very well after a few beers, ladies and gentlemen. No, I guess not. My memory of the evening after a certain point is hazy. So I, uh, yeah, I'm in no position to comment. I'm still dazed and confused. I think the turning point was when Tom decided to spend £24 on cans. Now, look, (laughs) it was my round. We were about to go on the train and you took us to the wanky craft beer pub. I did not know that four cans was going to cost me that much money. Uh, I found out the next day. Uh, and I'm trying not to think about it. How much was our actual round in there of drinks we consumed? Probably less. Oh, it, was a, it was about 16 quid. Next time I go there, I'm going to steal something. Yeah. So yeah, that anyway. was the weekend. That was good fun. But we're not here to just reminisce. We're here to go all the way back to the 1930s for some more magical fun from Football Strangest Stories. What a way to keep the party going, but to delve into a bit of Wardy. That's exactly what I was thinking. And you may remember last time out, I don't think it made the recording because there was a couple of technical issues, but I rightly or wrongly claimed to be a better author than Wardy and said that some of his titles I could make a lot better because a lot of the titles of his stories are just like, man scores eight goals and then there's just no chance to imagine what actually happened in the game Football maybe, that can be, foot. maybe that can be part of it then we'll come up with what the titles should actually be well that's kind of what I've tried to do because I'm, I'm kind of getting fed up with me saying this next one is called one-armed men versus women what do you think it's about <laughs> yeah true Are you going to say you've just made up a bunch of titles? Yes, I have. Nice. So this next story takes place up in Stirling. It's January 1930, and I've decided to call this story The King of King's Park. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Nice. Doesn't give it all away, and we know where we're headed. When a strange result occurs... There is usually a set of logical explanations. Take this match, for instance. Why would Kings Park, a Scottish second division team, beat Forfar Athletic, a team above them in the table, by the ridiculous score of 12-2? I have never heard of Kings Park. No, I I presumed it was the, the location for the story rather than the participants. Well, can I tell you about Kings Park? Because like no. you, Tom, <laughs> like you, Tom, this is the first time I've been reading this book and actually thought, oh, I wonder what that's all about. So I've done a bit of further research on Kings Park and they are obviously a now defunct club. Perhaps we'll cover them in Pint of Football's Lost Clubs if we can find anyone from pre-World War Two who'd be willing to speak to us about them. And we good. It's, it's not uh, officially documented why they folded, 
but one of the main contributing factors to why they were financially viable in the 1930s was that they used to host cheetah races. Cheetah, as in oh. the, the large African cat. Was that like a, a thing that happened a lot in Scotland? In, in, Are there in, many of them in Stirling? In 1930s Stirling, apparently, as well as being traditional for the greyhound races, they would also host cheetah races. And even back then in the 1930s, it was seen as unethical. And eventually it was banned from Scotland. And I think shortly after the club folded, which probably makes you wonder if that's where they were making their money. I'd like to know what happened to Kings Park. Football club was just a front. That's the thing, yeah. They were just a big cheetah. Yeah, pockets of big cheetah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was actually quite interesting to look up the club because I, I don't usually do it. But going back to the original question, why would Kings Park beat Four Far Athletic twelve two? Do we think that cheers on them? <laughs> no, but as Wardy said in his opening statement, there is usually a set of logical explanations. Now, I'll let you decide how logical these are, because the first one to me is the least logical thing I've ever heard in my life. He lists them. There are four main reasons why this result happened. First, there was the fourth bank pitch, which was greasy in places and (laughs) ankle deep everywhere making it the sort of clinging, cloying pitch that saps the energy of the opponents. I just... Fine, okay. I have never heard, uh, like, a natural, uh, an organic surface be described as greasy before, apart from someone's skin. Well, my first thoughts were maybe the draw at which Brian was going to make a comeback. Yeah. Maybe they'd that been out in the field. But then also I'm questioning, why does it only make the opponents sapped of energy like it's some sort of Marvel film? I don't see why that benefits the home team, that it's an ankle-deep, greasy pitch. Is it the conditions sure. they've been training for? Kings Park must have been brilliant at every other game as well in that case if they didn't have to play on these draining pitches. They won the league by miles. Like but, how Cambridge United used to have um, long grass in the corners to to help them with their hoofball. Kings Park oh, yeah. had a greasy pitch to help them with their slime ball. I bet it was good for the old knee slide when they scored a goal. Just went straight out the stadium. Like that Sol Campbell slide tackle. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, reason one the greasy pitch that was ankle deep and unplayable for opponents doesn't stand for me. I don't see how that would particularly give a clear advantage to the hosts. It was as greasy for them as it was for us. Well, yeah, exactly. The second, third and fourth reasons are probably more likely to be the contributing factors. Second, there was the four-far defence, which was missing four of its regular back four. Oh, had to be careful with that one, didn't you? <laughs> Thirdly, there was the Kings Park attack, which included a newcomer called John Diet. 
It's, John Diet. It's it does sound now like some sort of 2022 hipster diet. Hi, I'm John, John diet. diet. I only eat moss. I'm on the John Diet. So he was on trail. On trial, sorry. He was also on the trail for goals. On the trail for goals. <laughs> on the trail for goals. But he was also on trial at centre forward. And then fourth, there was the date. Thursday, the 2nd of January. So they played on the 1st of Jan. And then this match happened on the 2nd of Jan. I mean, that seems to be poor planning. Hmm. I wonder if it was a travel thing. I wonder if Forfar had played the day before locally. I mean, I don't know. It's not, not particularly funny either, but, it's, um, you know, the, back in the day, there's not money to sort of travel and stay over and things like that. Too busy well, funding it was too the far cheetah, for cheetah Forfar. <laughs> Perhaps the most dramatic factor was the introduction of diet. It usually is, isn't it? <laughs> he replaced Martin, injured in the 3-2 defeat at East Stirling the day before. So there'd been the big Stirling derby between Kings Park and East Stirling just the day before. And the main man had got injured. So this new lad, this trialist, John Diet, was making his debut. He was apparently a youth team player, brother of the left half it was called Gilbert's Diet, which isn't quite as catchy as John Diet, is it? And I'll be the one that ends up killing lots of people in a few years. Yeah. Like Atkins. <laughs> oh, yeah. But no, he made his debut, the young centre forward on trial, and in the first half, returned a hefty six goals. Pretty hefty. <laughs> Not a bad start to his career, is it? Sign him up. At the interval, the home team led 7-0. Forfar, who had won 4-3 against Arbroath on New Year's Day, just the day before, included their own star forward, Davy Kilgore, who was the top scorer in the division with 24 goals, probably already sweating about his record. Kilgore, likely to be overtaken in two games if Diet kept up his first-half pace, pulled a goal back with a penalty shortly after half-time. So it was now 7-1. Kings Park added a further three goals scored by Ross, Baird and Duffy before Forfar scored again. Then Diet chipped in with two more goals before the end. So he's now scored eight goals in the game. Kings Park wasted no time in signing the youngster. Are we really surprised by that? I like to think that they sort of mulled it over. Well, let's see what he can do next week first, you know? Yeah. I mean, nowadays, I can guarantee someone else a bit bigger and better would have instantly just got him, wouldn't they? He would have gone to Chelsea and we wouldn't have heard anything from him for six years. And then he ended yeah. up at Barnet for about half a season. But, yeah... Eight goals and a record score for the club seemed as much as could be expected from Diet on his debut. Besides, there were clubs queuing up outside the stadium just in case he slipped through the net that afternoon. Kings hey, Park. Yeah, you got a goal in your son. <laughs> Do you want to come play for Rangers? 
Kings Park ended the season one point above four far in the league. Crucial. An absolutely crucial result. Would you like to hear about what happened to Kings Park? Was it the cheetahs thing or? It was nothing to do with cheetahs. God damn it. So according to forgottenclubs.wordpress.com, when the Second World War broke out, um, all professional football leagues were suspended. Kings Park did play a few wartime friendlies, which included guest players such as Andy Black, Bob and Bill Shankly. Whoa. Apparently. Uh, they were approached to join a new Midland Football League, but Dundee pulled out and no one gave a shit anymore and the league didn't stop. As a result, uh, Kings Park's managing director, Tom Ferguson, put the club into a temporary hiatus. And then after that, the stadium got bombed by the Luftwaffe. Uh, that was one of only two bombs to fall on Sterling during the war. Oh, Christ. <laughs> The other one fell harmlessly into a field, upturning some potatoes. After that, um, they got kicked out of their league because they had no ground. And there were allegations of how their wartime players were paid because um, you weren't supposed to pay them during the war. And they decided to wrap up. That's a shame. I don't suppose you could find out very quickly what happened to John Diet. Uh... Man admits stealing a trampoline from an Asda store. You <laughs> <laughs> also pinched a washing machine from a flat in Motherwell. I Probably mean, not this guy because he's only 36. When such bright stars of the future turn to Robin. When they go back in time into the future <laughs> somehow and, and start stealing trampolines. <laughs> It's 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 a story we've heard a thousand times, but it just never gets any easier to hear, does it? Baxter, is that peak football? No, but there's a bit to like in it. A, a greasy ankle deep pitch. Cheetahs were mentioned so superfluously, um, and then he stole a trampoline. So yeah, it's all good. Those are the three things we'll remember from this story, even though two of them weren't actually in the story. <laughs> and the greasy pitch was just nonsense anyway. But that's why we enjoy these stories, isn't it? Oh, yes. Greasy nonsense. Greasy nonsense. We love it. Shall we carry on to the next one? Oh, actually, sorry. I must tell you what the actual title of that story was just in case it's more exciting than what I came up with. It was called Eight on His Debut. Yeah, I can see why he changed that. So we're moving forward a year and a half. We're now at the back end of 1931. We're in Blackpool. And this is, again, one of my titles. I've decided to call this one A Fateful Trip to the Seaside which I also think should be on Blackpool's welcome sign anyway. Well, it's, it's intriguing, which is, you know, more than can be said of regular Blackpool. Yeah. And I'm pleased to start off by saying that Wardy has got some derogatory terminology to use against modern day footballers. 
And what he's got to say to kick us off is, footballers are soft these days. Fine. No context, of course. Yeah, fine. At least that's what the old-time players are fond of telling us. They play in carpet slippers, use balloons as footballs, and have games postponed if there's a spot of rain on the pitch. Sorry, the first two were the rumblings of a madman, surely. (laughs) Okay, Grandad, let's take you back to your room. (laughs) Carpet slippers. In my day, (laughs) we had studs all over the boot. And on the face. (laughs) He then then does clarify that is perhaps an over-exaggeration, but the old-timers could point to plenty of evidence when Chelsea took a fateful trip to the seaside in October 1931. And you'll see, this is where I've stolen my title from. The game at Blackpool was more a question of how many players would collapse with hypothermia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be another classic story in the north where everyone dies from the weather. It's a wonder football caught on in the north, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. At full time, Chelsea were left with just six men. So, were dead. It was a cold, miserable, windy, and ferocious driving rain. Fifteen minutes before kickoff, the Bloomfield Road Stadium was comparatively deserted. The eventual gathering of six thousand spectators was about half the usual attendance. Basically. It was too cold, even for the hardest of fans, I guess. It was a wonder the game started, and Chelsea later complained that the pitch was unfit. Ground staff worked with pitchforks in a futile attempt to clear the water. Well, at least it's water this time and not grease, I guess. Chelsea, missing their famous Scottish international, Huey Gallagher, and then he's put in brackets, how glad he must have been. We've all been there. I'm sure you've been there, Baxter, where you've not been sad to miss a game because of either. (laughs) Especially in your goalkeeping days. Yeah, true. Nothing Nothing more lonely than that, is there? But they won the coin toss and sensibly opted to kick with the wind behind them. Conditions soon proved almost impossible. The ball either plopped in the mud. It either plopped in the mud or squirted over the grease. <laughs> oh, down, Wardy. He's obsessed. Randy, old goat. <laughs> <laughs> He's obsessed with grease. He mentions it in every story. Why is he obsessed with squirting grease everywhere? <laughs> it happens to men of that I... age. <laughs> I also wonder how bad this pitch could have been, because you, you look at some old footage, whenever it's on or online, like the 70s and 80s, and the pitches there don't have any grass on them. They're yeah. just sort of pure mud. mud or, yeah. Surely there's a, uh, once they're all mud, there can't be any more mud. I don't know. What do I know? Well, there could be squirted grease. <laughs> squirted grease. I also like plopped as well. It was very descriptive. Yeah, that is a good one. Plopped in mud. Mm. One of my favourite Wardy descriptions so far. The first one, chance... of the, one of the best onomatopoeic words. Plop. Plop. 
Yeah, it's a good one. The first chance fell to Jimmy Hampson of Blackpool, but he lost the ball in one of the more shallow lakes of the pitch. Yeah, I can picture this quite well. Chelsea found it hopeless to pursue their normal short passing game and soon trailed to Wilkinson's 12th minute goal. Even the referee had difficulty. Mr. Jones of Nottingham lost his balance and tumbled to his knees, much to the amusement of the spectators. The referee falling over, yeah, that famous. Absolutely caked in mud. And that's what it's all about. In the 31st and 34th minutes, Jimmy Hampson <clears throat> scored two freak goals, apparently, to give Blackpool a 3-0 half-time lead. First, the England international centre-forward dribbled around Vic Woodley as the Chelsea goalkeeper lost his footing and got stuck in the mud. Then Woodley stooped to intercept a cross, fell on both knees and gasped in amazement as the ball stopped dead in the mud a yard from him. Hampson stepped in, used his foot as a spade and thanked the weather for his second goal. A lot to take in there. I don't know how someone would use their foot for a spade, but I guess, yeah, it's it probably had to use both his arms to lift it out of the mud. Scooped it up, yeah. Scooped it into the goal. Everybody needs a foot for a spade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And at halftime came the first sensation, apparently. I thought that was already quite sensational, but not according to Wardy. Peter O'Dowd, soon to become England's centre-half, slumped unconsciously in the dressing room. His body temperature had dropped dangerously low. Two other Chelsea players were overcome by the cold. The second half started with only eight men in the Chelsea team. Again, it's another recurring theme. Why is it always when the teams from London come up, they always seem to really mm-hmm. suffer with the weather? Yeah, you've answered your own question there, haven't you? Used to the tropical climes of, of southwest London. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Get yourself up to Blackpool where the real weather is. Where you get squirty grease and plopping mud. The 1930s weather conditions. You can imagine the weatherman saying that, couldn't you? 90% chance of squirting grease this afternoon. I actually can't imagine him saying that, to be honest. (laughs) Imagine Fiona Bruce saying that. Although they were soon restored to 10 men, nobody relished the activities in the Chelsea penalty area. Blackpool's long ball game was well suited to the conditions and Hampson completed his hat-trick in the 75th minute. Immediately after Blackpool's fourth goal, 
Two Chelsea players left the field. The crowd booed and jeered, but it didn't stop another Chelsea player limping off. <laughs> At this point, it does seem a bit harsh that they're booing them. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you like 6 0 up. I'd be absolutely chuffed to see the opposition just losing more and more players to the weather. It does sound a bit too cold, though, if they were just sort of packing in because their, their bodies couldn't function anymore. Soon there were only six left, and on the same day, 31st of October, oh, so it was also Halloween, just to add, add even more magic into the mix, at nearby Blackburn, two of the home side and three Chef United players were treated for exposure while the referee collapsed from the cold. After a 20-minute delay, a linesman ran on to complete the game. It, it's definitely too cold. <laughs> there, is no, there is no way these matches should be still going on, is there? I like the idea that the linesman just stood there for 20 minutes looking at his, 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 uh, his colleague <laughs> and thinking, I might have to do something here. He'd done that thing where the linesman, he puts his flag up for offside and he can't actually move until the ref acknowledges it. Because the refs collapsed. He just stood there like, what do I do now? Oh, come on. <laughs> at, the end of the, uh, at the end of that season, Blackpool escaped relegation by one point. They were grateful to the day at Bloomfield Road when Chelsea's defence was exposed to the cold. But even in the 1930s, some old-timers were doubtlessly arguing that it was tougher in their day. Christ. Even in the 1930s, I guess I guess the people who were moaning it was tougher in their day were probably the guys who fought in the war, to be fair. You got exposure in my day, you just walked it off. <laughs> there was an occasion at Grimsby in 1912. Is there anywhere tougher in time than 1912 Grimsby? Yeah. Probably Dave not. Swindon. When six Leicester players walked off the pitch after 10 minutes from the end of the 4-0 defeat and Leicester trainer Harley Thompson was later suspended for telling them to leave. Wow. Was that because of the cold? Yeah, yeah. A coach got suspended for telling his players, probably with pneumonia, to leave the pitch. And another example, Ernest Needham, Chef United's famous international at the turn of the century, recalled a number of experiences at Aston Villa. He wrote in his book, simply called Association Football, and sleeps... Why are these people so boring? <laughs> What's no. it about? Association Football! But no, what he said was, the bitterly cold wind and sleet pierced one, numbing muscle and brain. Men on both sides and succumbed balls. and were carried away to hot baths and stimulants. Oh, I, you know, the squirt in Greece again. Mm. I left the field half an hour before the finish of time and by so probably saved my life. Of course, I've been on the stimulants since about 2am. <laughs> so I was already numb to it. A hot nice. bath would have cooled me down by that point, to be honest. Even Willie Folk oui. was carried in completely exhausted. Several of the Villa players were playing in coats, and one even had an umbrella. Famously warming umbrellas. Imagine him going in I mean, for a header from a corner, <laughs> just brollies it in. 
It also sounded like you were going to say Willie Folks was was carried completely naked. <laughs> oh yeah, twenty stone of steaming nudity, as he was previously <laughs> described as. Just cut Willie Folks open and sort of settle in his stomach until the cold passes. I mean, my question, my first question at the end of this story is, considering half of that page was about a really interesting story of 1912 pneumonia, why was that not included earlier in the book? Wardy's chronic pacing problems. He saved his best material to it's too late. We've already discussed the 1910s. We can't go back and add that into the mix now. Tom, I've got to ask you, was that peak football? Uh, I. It was cold football. I liked yeah. the hot bath and stimulants. We, we have heard that about you. Yeah. <laughs> I like a cookie and a cup of tea on a Monday night. Tom likes his bath and stimulants. <laughs> <laughs> and back, yeah. Backs anything to top that on a Monday night? To be honest, I was about to say squirts in Greece, but that was the previous story, so it's it's no longer appropriate. I don't know. We had Greece in both stories this time. We've had a, a double greasing in this episode. If you're new to in the mix, prepare for more stories of Greece, Brian, and Willie Folk. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I think that brings us to a close. We've had our two stories. We're still yet to find peak football. But we're, we're getting there. I think the stories are slowly but surely getting more consistently readable and digestible. There's definitely more detail now, I suppose, as the information is more readily available. Do you want to do Daz versus Baxter? Well, then. So, thanks to the good people at Professor Puzzle, I have a deck of football trivia cards Okay. Go on, then. What's the format? Well, I'm going to ask a question, and then you answer it, and then whoever's right gets a sweetie. <laughs> but so, what if we both just shout the answer out at the same time? I feel like it's a bit too chaotic for me. Is this? Well, why don't you take your headphones out while I ask Baxter, and then the week after that, I'll ask you first. Not that it matters, because you won't hear. Fine. All right. Shall I remove my headphones? Yes. Hello, Andy. Oh, wait, I can still hear you. For fuck's sake. Let me just mute. You can mute the thing. Uh, I can mute me, but I can't mute you. Um, Oh, yeah, I can. Of course I can. Turn the volume off on your computer. Fucking Yorkshireman. Andy, Um, as of 2020, which player holds the record for most consecutive Premier League appearances with 310? Gareth Barry. No. Good, good, uh, good try. Fair enough. Right. Go away now. Uh, Wait, now I've got to tell Daz that he needs to unmute. Am I back? You're back. Right. Darren. For one, sweetie. As of 2020, which player holds the record for most consecutive Premier League appearances at 310? Is it... I've got two possibilities here. I'm going to go with Gareth Barry. 
Weird. Weird. That's what um, Andy Baxter said. And you're both you're both thick. Is it James Milner? No. Huh. Do you guys want to keep trying, or should I just tell you? It must be a goalkeeper. It is Brad Friedel. Uh, just did one. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Oh, we've achieved nothing then. I don't know. It was amusing for me. And we've well, got 99 left. And a fabulous be... <laughs> prize. <laughs> to be fair, Gareth Barry, I think, has the most appearances. Not Gareth Barry's got a lot of appearances. I don't think consecutive. They must not have been, yeah, in a row. Weird we both got the same wrong answer, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's very funny. Brad Friedel wasn't still playing two years ago, surely? Nah. Nah. Brad, write in. Oh, speaking of writing in, we have an email address. <laughs> what What is the email address? Someone? It is pintoffootball2015 at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter, which is at POF underscore reviews. If you want to message us, just to let us know you're out there, and we will say anything that you want us to, within reason. Let's get some fan interaction, lads. Maybe tell us if you got Brad Friedel as the answer. Yeah, you can play... um, You can see if you're smarter than Andy Baxter and Daz Napton over the course of the next several years. Wasn't there a show like that? It was like, are you smarter than a four-year-old or something? Yeah. Very similar premise. Are you smarter than a groundhopper? <laughs> That's good. That's what we should call it. Whose turn is it for a joke-at? Me. Not a joke-at, it's a full-blown full joke this time. Yeah. I saw Kurt Cobain's wife fishing down by the river. I said, Courtney, love? She said, no, but it's still early. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.